Trigger warning, Death and Friends is not a podcast for the light of heart. Many dark and serious subjects will come up. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, Nash. Hey, buddy. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, Uh, hey, Quick question for you. uh, Sure. Go for it. Yeah. Uh, What do you want to be going on with your corpse in, say, 100 years? What? I just, I'm just curious. Jesus I'm just Christ, curious. Nash. Why? Why are you? I'm writing my will. Okay. Um. <clears throat> why are you? Why are you making plans for your 100 year old corpse? There are just some things I don't think I'd like. That's all. Okay. Well, first of all, that's implying your corpse will even last 100 years. You'll barely last another year. Mm. And uh, second, uh, you know you'll be dead, right? Like you get that part. Well, yeah, yeah. Of course. But I like, I wouldn't want my body like hanging out outside with a bunch of chemicals in it, you know? Like, I'm not interested in the Frankenstein's monster corp tactics. What the, what, what's, what's happening, buddy? Huh? Talk to me. What's going on? What do you mean? What do you mean? What? Nash, this doesn't happen to anyone. No one is doing this. Okay. All right. Um, uh, Dom, what's with the music? Uh, did, did we did we already do an episode on Frankenstein's monsters? I remember I wrote it. Not the real one. Real one. Yes. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Death comes for us all. You might as well make it your friend. Your friend with us. Welcome back, Skeleton Army. It's your boy, Angel. Hey, how you doing? What's up? And this... This, uh... This is... This is Nash. Only temporarily. Okay. All right. Um, okay, bud. This exchange is going to be so much more funny when I'm no longer Nash. I don't... I don't, I don't think that's what that will be. I just don't... That's... You know. You know, well, you know what? Before you could say anything else, paint the picture. Fucking ghoul. Sure thing, friendo. Finger guns. Today, we're talking about our good buddy, Vladimir Ilich Ulanov. Who? Lenin. All right. Wait. J- John Lennon? No. Oh. No, think more Russia. Comrade John Lennon? You're so close. Oh, right. Wait. Lenin, Lenin. Lenin, like, yeah. Uh-huh. Got it. Yeah. Wait. <laughs> Lenin's not even his real name? Nope. He actually tries a whole bunch of other pseudonyms before deciding on Lenin, which he sometimes uses as N. Lenin. Oh, no. The N. No. The No. No. The N stands for nothing. Nothing. Okay. Nothing. It, he adopts Lenin in 1902 permanently. So, he is a fucking stage name? <laughs> like a fucking magician? <laughs> what is he, a piece of shit? <laughs> yeah, I don't know anybody that has a stage Who would get a stage name? name? Who would do that? <laughs> Can you um, imagine having a yeah. stage? <clears throat> stage name. Mm. Mm-hmm. So this episode is about Lenin, but more specifically, it's about his death. 
partially because this is a death podcast and partially because he was born in 1870. So he sort of has to be dead by now, I think, just like biologically. Big if true. But mostly it's about him because of what happens to him after he dies. So a few things you need to know about Lennon's life. The time when he was inhabiting his body. Okay, thank you for the absolutely useless clarification. Anyway, Lennon is born in April 1870. And thus begins his being alive part. Oh, we're still on that. Okay, thanks. Uh, Lennon is the third of eight kids. Eight? Eight kids. Eight? Eight kids. Eight. He is close with his older brother, Alexander, whom the family calls Sasha. We love that for him. Tracks. His family is pretty solidly upper middle class, you know, because he's Conan O'Brien. <laughs> no, his dad becomes the director of public schools in their province after being a teacher for, you know, hang on. The mathematical term we used here yeah. in the script is yep. a bunch of years. Just a bunch of them. Just, just a whole fucking bunch of them. Mm, just like the like their kids. Just a bunch of them. Just uh, his dad's family had a had been. Mm, hang on, let me jump. Pretty poor. It's pretty poor. So, like, you know, honestly, what a rice. Good for him, honestly. Yeah. Eight kids, money. Let's go, baby. Mm. Let's fucking go. Lennon's dad marries his mom, Maria, in 1863, and she's from a wealthy family. Rich bastards. But also, you want to know something crazy, Nash? What? What's crazy? We actually got some old ancient recordings of lennon in his what? younger years oh my god that's yeah. so cool can you can you play them for the podcast yeah i got you let me just put this wax cylinder in okay there okay, we go yeah he was 13 years old yeah okay wow all right it says mommy and daddy song oh in english it's weird weird all right i'm pressing play she was a girl he was a boy can i make him more communist Lennon's dad dies of a brain hemorrhage in 1886 when Lennon is 15. Teenage Vladimir struggles with the loss and denounces his belief in God, despite his father being a very religious member of the Russian Orthodox faith. Wow, what a teenage boy thing to do. Yeah. I hate you, God. <laughs> Funny enough, we have even more recordings. Oh my God. I'm just a kid and life is a nightmare. Wow. Whoa. He was a real revolutionary. Around the same time, Lennon's brother Sasha is at college, hanging out with his buds, drinking some vodka, and guess what? Being a revolutionary. What? He and some friends are understandably against the absolute monarchy. <laughs> yeah, see what I did there? Uh, the absolute monarchy of Saw Alexander III, and they plan to make and detonate a bomb to assassinate him. You know, just casually after English Lit 101. Just bro things you do in college. <laughs> Chuck some beers, play some beer pong, assassinate bomb and assassinate yeah. the Tsar Alexander the Third. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Saturdays are for the boys, you know. They get caught before they can put the plan into place, and Sasha gets hanged for treason in May 1887. This makes Lenin pretty bummed out, but it does radicalize him. Well, more than he already was. Hang on, we have one last recording. Whoa! Of teenage Lenin. Where are you? And I'm so sorry. I cannot breathe. I cannot dream tonight. Wow, puberty really changed his voice. He really did. He really wow. came up a bit. He sounds like he's from like Southwest California. It's really weird. Crazy. I know. It's really weird. Lenin gets to college and immediately joins a frat called the Zemlichisva. 
he with fellow group members did a little wee little protest against the university and he's immediately expelled okay maybe he wasn't so little <laughs> and also he gets exiled to his house because that's a big thing in russia at the time you're grounded from the government <laughs> in his parents basement he does a little light reading to pass the time because this was before the internet existed one of the books he finds is capital carl marx's handbook about how capitalism sucks buttholes mm -hmm. technical term yeah because he couldn't just find porn involving sucking of buttholes yeah so he had to... that's true yeah Pornhub was very different back in the day now we don't have time to really delve deeply into lenin's political life because Nash wouldn't let me. Mm. It's long and full of revolutions and exiles. Basically, here's the broad strokes. <clears throat> me, 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 me. Lenin becomes a Marxist. He fights to overthrow Tsarism. In 1903, he starts the Bolsheviks, which split off to follow him to the Russian Social Democratic Labor Party after the 1917 February Revolution. They have so many revolutions and civil wars during this time, they start to just name them based on the month. 2020. Can't relate to that at all. Look at another episode with no modern parallels. Anyway, after the 1917 revolution, Lenin is basically front and center for every major Russian conflict and also a little witty bit of scuffle called World War One. At the time, it was just called World War. The Great War, some bullshit. He is sometimes a good guy redistributing land to the peasantry and generally being a dude of the people. And sometimes, in the case of the Red Terror, a not so good guy who put some opposition folks in the concentration camps or just had them executed for basically the same things that he and his friends did in the revolution in 1905. So that's Lenin's political life. But this episode isn't about his life, it's about his body. No, no, not, not like that. You wrote it. Just saying. <sighs> and so let's chat for a little bit about how he dies, because that part is important. He starts to fall ill in 1921. And in July, he heads to his family home, called Gorky, to recover. He contemplates suicide while out there, convinced his end is near, and he asks his good friend Stalin to fetch him cyanide while he's at the store next time. Only if he can. If you remember. No worries if not. Unfortunately, he did not have a recording device at the time, so we do not have tapes of that time. Though, he's a big fan of R.E.M. probably. Yeah, I believe it. A 1918 assassination attempt leaves bullets in his body. You know, like bullets do. And in April 1922, he has surgery to remove them, because quite frankly, kind of feeling like shit. Yeah. It's not a good time. And the doctors are like, yeah, it's probably the bullets inside you, you fucking dingus. The fuck's wrong with you, man? They were quickly exiled after. But it would explain the symptoms he had was of constant headaches, insomnia, and hypercussis, which is hypersensitivity to sounds. It explains why he didn't have his pop punk record. That's true. So Lennon suffers his first stroke in May of 1922. Oh, so it wasn't the bullets. The mm. doctors were wrong. All right. <laughs> Those doctors were basically the WebMD of people. Mm. That's what happens when you exile all the good doctors. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have bullets inside you? <laughs> That's their number one question. A lesson also learned by Stalin later on. Don't worry about that part. <laughs> the stroke leaves him unable to speak and paralyzes his right side. So he returns to Gorky and is largely better by July. So he returns again to Moscow in October 1922 to get some work done. Yeah, baby, let's fucking go! In December, he has a second stroke. Jesus Christ. Okay. Um. <laughs> uh. So, in December of 1922... He returns again to Gorky, where he begins planning for his eventual death as the head of state. He makes a series of documents, no recording, sadly, uh, outlining his recommendations. One of them is this little bitty detail that he wanted to make sure everybody knew 
and it was removing Stalin from office, considering him a ill-suited and too crude, because I guess he was a jerk. Yeah. Yeah. No recorded anything else of that, that he was a jerk? Nope. That he kind of sucked? No? None? None. None. Uh, none. So we just got to trust this guy's opinion? <laughs> yeah, I guess. In the documents, he continues, And this defect, which is entirely acceptable in our milieu and in relationships among the communists, becomes unacceptable in the position of general secretary, and therefore propose to comrades that they should devise a means on removing him from his job. Wow, what a voice. His voice has really changed a lot over the years. Well, he had strokes, you know? Uh, that's fair. Is that ominous music I hear? Yeah, I wanted to talk about it, but that's Yeah, like because scary. while Lenin is ill, guess who's like, oh man, is this a power vacuum or are you happy to see me? Stop, stop with the saxophones. Is that a mustache that I hear oh, in the no. background? You guessed it. It's our good buddy, Joseph Daddy Stalin. Jesus Christ. If you don't want to believe me on that because you've Googled photos of young Joseph Stalin, you're like, how could anyone that good looking and fashionable be evil? Well, here's post stroke number two, Vladimir Lenin on it. I haven't died yet, but under Stalin's supervision, they're already trying to bury me, so. <laughs> Sucks. Dick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, buddy. If only it was true that they wanted to bury you. You're about to have an absolute bummer of a time. I just love the idea of London's like, hey, yeah, I'm still here. Like, I'm not dead yet, you assholes. Like, <laughs> it's like the scene in Monty Python where they're like, bring out your dead. And he's like, I'm not dead. <laughs> bring him out anyway. Pretty much. In 1923, Lenin and Stalin fight about, you know, lots of things. Dinner. What they're going to get later kind of desserts, you know. Namely, whether to force the neighboring nations under the Russian government. Stalin says, yeah, yeah, I think we should. Yeah. But Lenin says, hey, what if we ask first, maybe? Let's, I don't know. Yeah. Some of these people seem nice. Just ask them. It is eventually agreed that the other nations could keep their governments. And so the USSR is ratified in December 1923. And even though he's not like super healthy, Lenin is elected the leader. With Stalin. Stalin. Stalin is Stalin. Basically twirling his evil mustache right over his shoulder. You know, it's weird. Um, Lenin, we do have a recording of his first speech. Oh, shit. Yeah. You want to hear it? Yeah, I do. Imagine that. No heaven. Okay. Okay. I don't, I don't like this. It's easy if you try. Oh, no. Oh, no. No hell below us. <laughs> Pretty soon for you. <laughs> Above us. Only sky. How long is this? It says here he immediately collapsed and shit himself. Oh. <gasps> Lenin has his third and final stroke in March 1923, and he's essentially removed from public life. He has no independence and he can't really speak at this stage. And if you thought that that might tank his public image, you have not met Russian propaganda, my guy. And good for you, kid. Hey. I mean, you're dealing with American ones, so, you know. This thing. That's Ugh. fair. That's fair. American runs on dunks. <laughs> it's Duncan's kid. The donuts. Enter our hero, Leninism which Russian media and political groups start a few months after Lenin's third stroke. You have to pledge your allegiance to Lenin 
and Leninism. And even though many Russians know he's sick, his non-appearance but constant presence in the media give him sort of this godlike status. And that just has to go straight up Stalin's ass, just up in there. Just, 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 okay, hang on, hang on, I'm almost there. Okay, just breathe. And we're in, okay, okay, all right, all right, good, okay. All right, all right, here we go. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's how his mustache gets so big. It's not secrets, it's stomach acid that just gets pushed up. Because Lenin isn't doing much talking, all of his advisors are doing it for him and keeping him out of the public eye. So they control what the public knows about him and when they know it, and they define and reproduce his ideology as a collective, he gets reduced to Leninism and is basically, at this stage, immortal. But then he dies on January 21st, 1924. That'll do it. For just under a week after Lenin's death and after his autopsy, his body lay in state in Moscow for people to just, like, vi- visit, I guess? Like, hey. Visit? Literally just visit. Just, hey, hey, bud, uh, heard about you being dead. Um, sorry? Hey, um, hey, Lenin, uh, you K? You K in there? He's just sleeping, buddy. He's just sleeping. Starts poking him with a stick. Hey, hey, wake up. Where, is his, where are his glasses? He can't see without his glasses. <laughs> oh, that got sad. <laughs> he, he's actually dead and shit, and we're like, no, now it's sad because we ruined the movie. <laughs> we're not okay. No. On January 27th, everyone is like, okay, I guess we should bury him now. And apparently, by bury him, they mean move slightly down the street to a mausoleum so more people can look at him while they wait for the official, official burying place to be finished. Let it be known that I do not wish to ever be perceived in life or death. Thank you for your time. Feel better? Yeah. He stays there until March-ish, because it is unseasonably cold, and the guy who comes to check in on him... There's a guy for that? Yeah, there's actually like a few of them. It's a few guys for that. But the guy that stops in for the quick corpse check in late March is like, Hey team, um, <laughs> we, should, uh, we should start doing the thing. <laughs> and then they're like... What thing? What what thing? And he's all like, <laughs> he's uh, <laughs> he's de- he's decomposing. He's decomposing. <laughs> you know, the only thing that dead bodies do. Come on, Brad. Come on, Brad. Jesus Christ. Get your head in the game. Yeah, Brad, you suck. But in the two months it took for Lenin to be dead and also outside, the Russian state was like, okay, we should probably bury him. Right. But also, hmm? hear me out. What if we didn't? What? What if we just left him there? Like as a symbol. Of like decay? God, like- Brad, keep up. A symbol of Leninism. If he never, never decomposes, Russia is strong. Okay, but like, he's dead. I know he's a dead body, Brad. I know that. I can smell him. But we have Soviet science on our side. Okay, I hear you. But like he's... Jesus Christ, I have to do everything around here. We fill him to the brim with chemicals and replace the bits of him that don't look like the bits of him when he was alive. And no one else is opposed to this? No one else. Oh, no, 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 no. Plenty of people are. 
Like there's a whole commission designed to plan what's going to happen with Lenin. And most of them are like, hmm, no thanks. Uh, that seems a little, mm, mm, I don't know, uh, religious. And also we could just have like a public tomb monument and not have his body in it. You know what I mean? Okay. How? They definitely want to extend the time his body is displayed. So they're forced to be like, okay, how do we keep him out here temporarily? Just for a little while longer. They suggest freezing, but then once he thaws, he's going to be like, super gross, dude. Well, if you unfreeze a dead dude, you immediately turn into charcoal. Like, literally, you turn completely black. Like, just well, black as night. You're not burned, but... But you don't. Like, ultimate tan. <laughs> There's So, if you ever wanted a tan, freeze up. I don't... It's a fun fact for you. <laughs> I don't know where to file that one. One of the other suggestions on the table, probably by Brad, is to put Lennon in a big glass box and fill that glass box to the brim with clear embalming fluid, like a dead body version of those 2000 Wonder World aquariums with like the gel and you shoved the fish and it was like jello. Another NAS throwback that literally no one will understand. How does no one remember those? They were like a part of my childhood. Oh. Hold. Yeah. That was... Many millennia ago. Oh. <laughs> Nash is... <laughs> At the end of March, with the commission having zero idea what they want to do about Lennon body, but probably pretty aware that he'd hate whatever they do, they accept medical professor Vladimir Vorbiev's approach. Dr. Vorbiev, if that is his real name, is like, hey guys, what if we just like embalm him? And suddenly the entire room is like, Come on. The answer was right in front of us. Come on. Come on. It works on the body for like four months with his biochem bestie, Boris Zarbsky. Are these real names? Yes, Nash. Other cultures exist besides non-specific white people. I only meant that they sound like James Bond villains. Okay, racist. Anyway, in July 1924, the commission's like, hey, Vlad, Boris, fellas, how you doing? Hey, how's it going? Hey, uh, so how's it going with, you know... The body, Lennon's body, the body specifically made for Lennon. How's that going? And Vlad is like, pretty good, actually. It's pretty great. Look, he looks really great. Don't he? Look, he's going to be set for a while, actually. <laughs> how long? Uh, he said a while, Nash. Right, but how long? Ah, uh, while, Nash. That's what he said. Okay, but... Fine, fine, just stop, just okay? Okay. <sighs> Vlad? Mm hmm how long? I will not allow myself to answer this question. There you go. See? Now they don't just preserve him as a one-off and leave it. They devise a plan that would replace bits of him that need replacing, re-embalm him whenever necessary, make new bits, and occasionally let him take a bath in the fluid to keep him fresh. Mmm. Mm. Smells like science. Now, modern dead folks who choose embalming get their circulatory systems flushed with formalin, which is a nice little cocktail of formaldehyde, and alcohol. Mm. If you sign up for that, you've got a U-shelf life of about 10 years. Ugh. Okay. Pretty much for that whole time, you aren't even visible because you're in a coffin. So, like, what's even the fucking point? Yeah, basically. So, the 10 years thing, obviously, it wasn't going to work out for Lennon. So, that whole system gets invented. 
Today, Lennon's preservation is overseen by the Lennon Lab, who also care Go for... Go fuck yourselves with that name. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was genuinely reacting to that. <laughs> you can go fuck yourselves. Oh, we wait for the Lennon Lab? Go fuck yourself, you pieces of shit. <laughs> they also care for... Uh, excuse me, I work for the Lennon Lab. <laughs> you fucking marks. Okay, but uh, like sorry. as an aside, they do really, really cool shit, and they've invented a lot of like medical procedures that were designed because of how they have to pump things through Lennon's body and like redistribute shit. It's actually really fucking fascinating. Cool. Anyway, anyway back to the episode. <clears throat> Today, Lennon's preservation is overseen by the Lennon Lab, who also care for Ho Chi Minh and North Korean Kim Jung's, the ones that are dead. Just just the dead ones, I think. They might also do the alive ones haircut. Oh, that preservation a real work, Weekend and Bernie situation? Yeah. <laughs> that preservation work isn't so much about maintaining Lennon's biological matter, but rather his physical form. Very little of his OG bodysuit is left. Just... Not a lot. Right. Uh, what's a technical explanation? Thank you. Just what a technical explanation. Just. You're welcome. Chef's kiss. Okay. So the year right now is 2022. What the fuck? Doesn't even sound real. In two years, Lenin will have been dead for a entire century now. And just on display. Like an action figure. Even though the dude was literally like. Bury me, please. And his wife was like, bury him, please. And like 60% of modern Russia is like, bury him, please. Which begs the question, why are you just chilling, though? What a great but unanswerable question. Basically, it boils down to this. He's already been there, and he's a symbol of the Russian state for nearly a century. So why change things? The f- what do you mean, why? He doesn't want to be there. The fuck? His own cabinet pretended to be him for like two years while he was recovering from a stroke. What makes you think any Russian president or Putin gives any shits at all about what Lenin would want? I guess that's, I guess that's kind of fair. Which leads to my next question. What rights did dead people have on their own corpse? That was a long road to get to that question. It really wasn't. Oh, I did a little research. You don't say. And I called a lawyer. Sorry, not you, Jen. Why? No, you just don't really seem that approachable? Rude. Okay. So, do you like dead people have um, rights? No. Oh, so people can just kind of do whatever they want with your body? I mean, not whatever. Your body is property now, so it can be desecrated, and that's a crime. Okay. But that doesn't matter that it used to be you. It's just you're a thing now. Your medical privacy ends at death. So basically, anyone could be like, hey, did they have syphilis? And the doctor will be like, oh, yeah, for sure, girl. Get tested. Okay. Uh, what if you write something in your world? Like, what if Lennon was like, uh, hey, guys, uh, don't mummify me and leave me on display for a century. This voice changes a lot. Yeah, it does. Uh, Well, that's the thing. Lenin's will has never surfaced, so there's nothing legal to say, please don't revere me, just put me in the ground next to my mom, even though by lots of accounts, that's exactly what he did want. It's what his wife wanted too, but since there's no legal document... Something tells me that the dude who wrote a bunch of the letters to be like, after I die, Fia Stalin had a will though. Right, but it's never been found, or at least, no one has admitted to finding it. Is that... 
Oh my god, is that the Twilight Moon? But if you put it in your will, and it's something your family doesn't want, largely courts will defend the rights of the dead. But if somebody makes up shit about you to ruin your entire reputation, this is the callback to the Edgar Allan Poe episode, you don't have rights. And if your will never surfaces, well then the state can make you a symbol and display you forever. Jesus Christ! (laughs) And on that note, that's the episode. A special thanks to you, our favorite listener. Remember to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. A rate and review would also be nice. Criminy, dude. What an ending. <laughs> okay. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at Gorilla Jokes. And I'm at It's Nash Flynn. And of course, follow the podcast at Death and Friends Podcast. Want to become an official member of the Skeleton Army? Join us on Patreon. We use it to cover our sound guy's medical bills. In order to properly write medical facts, we expose Dom to all the illnesses and ways to die we talk about on the show. Yep, this baby can fit so many of Bob Doms in it. The pioneers used to ride these for miles. Still can, baby. Speaking of Patreon, let us thank our listeners at the Brendan Fraser level. Hey, Game Snake. What is up? So check it out at patreon.com slash deathandfriends. Also, we've got a website now, deathandfriends.org. That's dot O-R-G, because we are committed to making the internet worse. Alrighty, everybody. What a roller coaster episode. <laughs> you know what else is a roller coaster? Talking about death. It's real tricky, but we need you to remember something. Ready for this? You hear about this? No. You're loved. You matter. And if you don't want to be your own friend, we will happily be your friend. I'll be delighted to defend your reputation against your haters after you die, babe. Likewise. Until next time, Skeleton Army. Stay spooky. Love you. Love you. This has been a Knavery Inc. podcast. Go to knaveryinc.com for more details. Executive produced by Jacob Duffy Halbleib. Audio designed by Dominic Guanzon. Themes and transitions by Amy Doe. The fuck is a knave? Remember this is a comedy podcast? Don't use it in your research papers. They get caught before they can plan. They get caught before they can put the plan into place. (laughs) I like how you caught yourself slipping into an accent and you redid it. They caught. <clears throat> they caught. They get caught. <laughs> I didn't notice that actually. I thought I you fucked went, up the rest of the line. You went full boss. Like, they get fucking caught, kid. kid. I'm like, what? <laughs> get. Cat. Death. Lenny gets to college and immediately joins a friend called our friends. A friend. <laughs> he joins a friend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'm cheating. Sorry. That's so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to start singing F is for friends who do stuff together <laughs> a little bit I want to F is for friends wait we have another recording of, <laughs> of Lennon's hang on let's just click this F is for friends who do stuff together U is for you and me N is for anywhere and any time and all here in Russia. the great Russian kingdom death Copy and paste, and life is a nightmare. Copy and paste. Death? Lennon gets to college and immediately joins a frat, because, of course he does, called the Zemlischofet. Got it. You nailed it right on the first take. Death? Also, a little bitty widow scuffle called the War War One. War War One? Yeah, sometimes... That are causing the Simpsons. The Simpsons? Hmm. Simpsons. Hey, what if I did that while not speaking like a fucking idiot? Alright. Death? 
real estate propaganda, Amy's. Yeah. Right. I don't know why I thought it said real estate. So in my head, I'm like, I guess I'm doing a commercial. <laughs> real estate <laughs> propaganda. You mean Zillow.com? Whoa! <gasps> <laughs> 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 Looking at you, property bros. <laughs> Death? <clears throat> One of the others with... <laughs> Death? I'm just trying to do something. Just say the word rude. <laughs> rude. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Death? Okay, enough with the fisting jokes. Hey everyone, Nash here. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. I wanted to circle back a bit and give you some very non-comedy context for the rights of dead bodies, some of which appeared in this episode. We got very curious about what rights a dead person might have, so we asked a few lawyers. This is all based on the current legal rights in the United States, so if you're outside of the U.S., this may or may not apply to your laws. We define a dead body as the physical remains of a person during the period between the moment of death and the body's complete decomposition. In general, what you specify in your will and testament for your wishes will be followed, provided that they are within legal limits and familial expectation and finance, if you didn't finance it yourself. But where things are trickier is if you die without a will, or if your will makes no mention of what you'd like to happen to your body after you die. Then it falls to your closest next of kin to determine what to do with you. In the event that you have complicated familial relationships and that the closest next of kin is not clear, the courts will decide which next of kin has the rights to what used to be you. The courts can also rule against your wishes if they are in opposition to public governance about dead bodies and or public health. While the human body, once deceased, is not property per se, it can sometimes be treated similarly in the eyes of the law. It is a crime to fail to report a death or properly, legally dispose of a body. It's also a crime to keep a body from its immediate next of kin should they attempt to claim it for burial. I could go on, but I'll end things here as we'll be discussing the modern funeral home and present-day death in future episodes. But if you're interested in reading more about the legal rights of dead bodies or of cemeteries, the links to two very good resources are in the show notes. I want to thank the lawyers of Instagram and our friends over at the Poor Proles Almanac for helping us find and synthesize this information. And a very special thank you to Stephen and E. May your very future burials be exactly what you put in your will. <laughs>